0: Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionise the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. So I'm uh, delighted to have Sierra Stockland with me today, all the way from just outside Nashville. Yes, the- that's right. Awesome. Thank you for joining me here in, uh, on the Scale Her Up podcast. Thank you. Really good to have you here. So, um, Scale Her Up, it's all about our business experiences as women. Tell us, tell us your story. How did you get into business?
1: Yes. So, I'm a third-generation entrepreneur. My grandfather and my dad both owned their own business. So, it was just very natural. I was always around small business. And um, when it came time for college... I just didn't really know how I could fit myself into a traditional box, but I was always thinking of ideas. And so it just naturally came about that I opened my own business. So the first business that I had was a theater company. I built that for about 10 years and just worked with students on acting, theater, classical theater. And then when I got a little tired of the nonprofit scene, um, decided my next venture would be retail. And so in 2006, I opened my first retail store and grew it from there.
0: Tell me about this retail store. So it was a high
1: end maternity store. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So I'm from a really small town in North Dakota. Actually, we are a couple hours from the Canadian border. So it's very cold and there's not a lot to do. Not a lot of people. And so when I wanted to open a retail store, I knew I would need a niche, something that would set me apart and make me really different in the community. And we didn't really have anything for expectant moms or babies, you know, that was really different other than big box or chain stores. And so my first store was a high-end baby and maternity boutique. And then um, I had the opportunity about six months later to open a second concept, um, completely different designer outlet boutique and um, sell through some truckloads of overstock product. And so I had two stores at the same time within a year, right next door to each other. So I was busy and I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So very busy mom. Yes. But I really found that the designer outlet boutique appeal to the masses. So while the high-end maternity store was beautiful and it was fun and it was my dream child, the other store made money. And so that was my first lesson as an entrepreneur to not always follow what we want to do, but to listen to the customers when they are telling us what they want with their dollars. And so um, we combined the concepts and then mode, which was the designer outlet, my second idea. Um, that's the one that I built and grew and franchised. That's
0: fantastic because I was about to say. So the the maternity clothing was did that come from your own experience? And clearly, yes, it's because you had two small children at the time. Yes, yeah, so I, I think there'll be a lot of people that are thinking of getting into a business and they see they see a market that they would like to be the customer for. Yes, absolutely. And fascinating that you your learning was that just because you wanted it, not
1: everybody wanted it. And, and yes, and I would say that's, that's a hard, one of the hardest lessons for entrepreneurs to really take to heart because we have in our mind what we expect our business to look like, but we have to listen to what our customers want. And sometimes that lines up, but sometimes it doesn't. And it's the business owners who are willing to listen to their customers and pivot and change that thrive and survive. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, market research is, uh, is key, isn't it? Yes. So, so then you became a franchisor. Yeah,
1: yeah. which is another mo- business model, which I, <laughs> and I did not realize at the time, but franchising is very difficult. It's very um, cost intensive, um, uses a lot of capital. And um, suddenly I found myself not doing what I loved, which was working with customers and buying products and working in my store. I was managing many franchisees, building out operations manuals, becoming, you know, a director of operations, if you will. So that was an interesting um, period as well, um, but built it and franchised it and then um, ran that for about a decade. And as that wound down, I um, ended up selling that brand And then went on to build my next concept. So I'm definitely a serial entrepreneur. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I always have ideas. That's fantastic. And just maybe just tell me a bit
0: about this selling the the franchised business then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, not how I would have expected my journey to go again. Another lesson I was learning. So as I built it and franchised it, um, it ended up that some of our franchisees wanted to leave the system and do Their own retail concept. And so, through a series of events, we ended up winding down the brand. And one of our last remaining franchisees purchased the brand from us and kept that going. So, it's still running to this day um, in her community. And so, as I sat and just reflected, it was a very difficult time because I had envisioned this, you know, 100 store franchise brand. And I had this idea in my mind. And as it wound down and this perceived failure, and how do I what do I do with that as an entrepreneur? It was a very interesting time to just sit and reflect and think, what was all of the learning and the experience and the connections? What were they all for? And that's where this new idea was born of, let's instead of sitting and wallowing in grief of what I thought would happen and where I ended up, what if instead I took um, my experience and I created something that I really enjoyed doing. And so um, I launched my next concept, which I designed to build and sell. I wanted to build that one and sell it. Did that in about 18 months. And then um, I'm now in my coaching business. And that's where I've settled in for a bit now.
0: <laughs> you, you mentioned the perceived failure.
1: Yes. But it's not a failure, really, is it? It's not not. Especially if you choose to make it a lesson learned. But it's hard for us as entrepreneurs because we we assume that everyone expects something of us. And so when our story doesn't unravel in the way that we would like it to, it's very humbling. You know, as we think about what what do others think? And I didn't set out and accomplish what I wanted to. What does that make me? And, you know, we just have all of these thoughts that move through, but... I think for me, the biggest thing that helped push me through was just what have I learned? What could I take responsibility for? What could I do different the next time around? What were things beyond my control? Because we can't control everything that happens to us, but we can control our reaction and what we do with that. And so that's what I chose to do and to take that perceived failure and turn it into a lesson learned instead. Absolutely, and from that The model that you built for the next business
0: took those learnings and you built and sold in 18 months.
1: Yes. My next concept. Yes. So um, I built a subscription box for boutique owners. So I was becoming, you know, through my journey in um, retail, very familiar with the needs of boutique owners, the needs of the wholesaler. And how could I match together um, and build a product that would take this beautiful wholesale Um, sampling and bring that to retailers and match them up, you know, be that matchmaker. And so um, I knew that I didn't want to run that business forever. I just wanted to, I knew there was a problem. I knew I could solve it. So how can I solve it quickly and then sell it to somebody who can then take and operate it? That's one thing um, that I've really learned over the last 20 years of small business is it's important for us to understand our strengths, what we're really good at, And our weaknesses, what, you know, we're not that great at or what we really don't enjoy. And I love solving problems. I love building and launching businesses. I don't love the day-to-day operation. And so I knew I needed to build it, sell it, pass it on to someone else that loves the operation side, um, and then move on to my next venture.
0: Well, that's fascinating. And I guess for a lot of people starting up, they don't know that that's the part that they're not going to enjoy because it, it does it does feel really exciting getting yes. started and building it up and and making your idea a reality. Yes, but yeah, I'm totally with you with the uh, sometimes the the hamster wheel. Once you get on it, it's not it's not the fun part.
1: Yeah, you know the first lesson. I I didn't realize I was learning this lesson, but looking back now, you know, hindsight. I was probably. 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. And I had this little, so I've always had some sort of business, even when I was a child. Um, and so I would knit, um, these beautiful little sweaters for, you know, babies or whatever. And so, um, I would knit these beautiful items and then I would go out to local boutiques and ask if they would like to purchase them, send them a sample and whatever. And I got an order, my first big order from a store in Beverly Hills, California. And I was so excited. I think she ordered 12 little sweaters. And then I thought, oh, now I have to knit them all, (laughs) you know? So it was, and I should have learned, but you know, I was young, but that's when I, I realized that I love the selling. I love the creating. I don't necessarily love all the doing. So how can I build a business in the future where I can do the selling, the creating, that side of things, and then either hire those operational people or pass it on to someone that would be much more operational than me?
0: Brilliant learning there, because there will be the people that do like the doing. Yes. Don't like the selling. Yes. And, you know, we meet in business, as business owners, we're probably one or the other. Or, yeah. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I didn't always do a great job of finding those team members that could offset my strengths, You know, realizing that this is what I'm really good at. And so I need to find someone that I can bring in as a team member, you know, as an operational director, as a partner, someone that can offset the strength that is really good at operations or that does really love the integrating or the day-to-day. So that's a really important lesson for entrepreneurs. We think we have to do it all. And sometimes at the beginning, we do. But how quickly can we get to a place where we can bring in people that have much better um, skill sets for certain areas than we do and then hire for that and delegate?
0: What's your lesson in terms of bringing in the right people? How, how do we find how, how can we be sure we've got the right people coming in?
1: Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it would be slowing down to really identify what I need. I tend to move really quickly. So, oh, I like your personality, I'll hire you. But slow down, Sierra, and think about what you really need and does this person really fit? And then I think when we do hire or bring them in, if we notice that's not a good fit, taking care of that right away. Cause that's something else that we do as entrepreneurs. We wait far too long with team members, employees, you know, vendors, suppliers, to move them around, to hire, to fire, right? To get rid of people. We just, we're very optimistic, small business owners. And so we always think we can fix people. So if I just give them more time, they'll change. But a person's personality and their skill set usually is what it is. And so when we identify that something's not working, it's important to fix that right away, not to wait.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you there. Yeah, you're award-winning as well. Yeah. What what does that mean to you to, um, to, to be given a small business award?
1: Yeah. You know, I would say this is something I've been working on, celebrating the wins. I don't do a very good job. So when you ask me what it means, that's an interesting question, because I feel like you win an award, you get to an achievement and I just move on. What's the next thing? What's the next thing on my list? Instead of just settling in and i am in asking myself, what does this mean? So it's interesting that you would ask me. I think now looking back, I'm just really proud of the work that I've done as an entrepreneur, even though much of it's been a rocky road. I think it's really neat to be someone who can say like, I'm living big. What I want to try, I try. What I want to accomplish, I work towards accomplishing. Um, impacting people, enriching my life, not willing to just settle and sit on the couch, you know, especially when things don't go as planned. It'd be very easy to just withdraw and say, I'm done. Um, So winning awards for me, I think is just, it needs to be a a reminder to myself that I keep moving forward one step in front of another, keep trying, keep pushing myself and, you know, keep exploring living big and what that looks like to me.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. So what have been what have been the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome over the years?
1: I would say learning to manage cash, understanding my numbers, understanding that small business isn't just all the fun, pretty things. You have to understand the inner workings of your business, learning to know myself, learning to say learn to say no, really being comfortable with where I'm weak um, you know, where I have weaknesses and being honest about that so that I can change and grow and move forward. I think all of those would be probably my biggest challenges and things I'm still working on every day.
0: Mm-hmm. So any, any tips for any of the listeners that are, so you, you mentioned the, the numbers, yeah. um, any tips for
1: anyone listening? How yes. You, how you <laughs> on that challenge? Yeah. So I would say with numb, you know, when it comes to your numbers, You don't have to be a bookkeeper. You don't have to learn to be an accountant, but the numbers of your business, just a few simple numbers tell the truth of the story of what's going on in your business. And you won't understand why your business is or isn't growing. You won't understand why things are or are not working if you don't understand the number side of things. So just being humble enough to say, I don't know, I don't understand. This is overwhelming. Um, And then just, I I always tell my clients, choose one number and fall in love with it. Just start with one. So whether that be your margin or a sales goal number or your net profit, choose one number. And when I say fall in love with it, I always tell them what I mean by that is learn everything there is to know about that one number. So if you're going to focus on net profit for this year, where does net profit come from? What should my net profit be? What are other industry, you know, similar businesses showing in a net profit? Where? How can I benchmark myself? And you just lean into that. And if we choose just one number and focus on that, the others fall in place, but then it's not so overwhelming.
0: Absolutely. Because there are a lot of numbers. There are. And it, it, can, be, it, it can be distracting. Focus on yes. the wrong numbers. Who's been who's been your biggest supporter? I, I always think that, yeah. we, that we can't do this
1: on our own. I would say my husband, for sure. Um, he's so patient with me. <laughs> I was We were visiting at some friend's place the other, you know, a few weeks ago. And we we're sitting down with this couple. And the gentleman that we were with and myself, we were just talking about an idea, a business. Nothing that I wanted to do or create, just an idea of solving a problem. And when we left, my husband, Jim, said, Sierra... Could you just do one thing at a time? <laughs> so he's <laughs> constant. and I said, Well, I'm not going to do anything with this. I'm just thinking. But he's so um, patient with me, knowing that my mind is always working to solve problems and that I always have ideas. Very patient with me as we have built businesses, as we have lost things because of businesses, as we've built again. Um, and I do try to tell him often that I'm just so thankful for his support and his belief in me. Um, he's never doubted that I would be successful. And, and that's just, that's huge, you know, and he's given me the freedom to say, this is who you are and how you're made go for it. Um, so I would say he's my biggest believer. My kids, you know, are great. They've grown up around small business. Um, they think I'm a little crazy, but they're always my cheerleaders too. So
0: you're a mompreneur. That's that's the term, isn't it? You know what? There'll be lots of, Women's thinking of getting into business or thinking of scaling up what they've got already and having to do the juggle, you know the, right. the look after the you know be a mom and be a business owner. so what 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 are your tips for making making it making a success of
1: that? Yeah, you know, I think on the mompreneur side, we just have the philosophy, my husband and I, that our kids are welcome members of our family rather than our life revolves around them. And I know that's a little different than what we often hear, but that's worked really well for us because I always say, you know, Jim and I, we chose each other. The kids came into the picture. They're welcome members of our family. And this is how our family runs and operates. And this is what mom does. My kids went with me to so many bank meetings and employee or customer meetings. They helped out in the back of the store. They've counted inventory. They've stuffed envelopes. Um, And that's just part of who our family is and what we do. And so I think for moms, um, don't feel bad or guilty about bringing your kids into your business, you know, welcome them in, show them the skills, let them learn, let them fail. Even in your business, let them try things, um, because it really does enrich their future life. Even if they never go into business, my kids understand a work ethic. They know what's on the line for small business owners. They appreciate small business because of what they've seen. So that would be my word of advice. Just bring your kids along for the journey and don't feel bad about that. That's
0: a really, a really good message, actually. And I, I think maybe over the last year or two years, since we've had um, many more people working from home and having to juggle the, the homeschooling and, and all that sort of things, um, you know, the, the presence of kids in business is, they are more present in business. Yes. Probably have been in the past, so yeah. I mean, because not everybody would welcome them.
1: You right. know, did, did you did you come across that? Where um, they never would show it. I mean, I'm sure there was people who thought, "Oh my goodness, this kid is in the meeting," or you know. Um, but I think I just assumed this is just who we are and what we're gonna do, and I went in confidently. It's like <laughs> funny illustration, but it's like wearing a hat. I don't feel like I look good in a hat, you know. And you see these women and they wear hats and it looks so cute. I feel like to look good in a hat, you have to be confident. You put it on and you just start like, this looks great on me and you go out the door. And if you don't have that confidence, you don't feel like you look good in a hat. And I think the same thing with my kids. This is just who we are and it's okay. And so just having that confidence, I never even really noticed if people liked or didn't like it because that was just how we did things.
0: And the same with your business you got to have yeah. the confidence to look good in your business. And yeah. yeah, Oh, I really like that analogy. I'll use that again if that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Go for it. We're in business to make money. What should we concentrate on? Make the most money out of our business. You've had a few different businesses, so you've got a
1: few learnings there for us. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it goes back to the numbers again. Understanding your margins, understanding where the profit comes from, Um, I'm a profit first certified coach. And so I work with all my clients on profit, the profit first method. So understanding how to manage your cash, pay yourself first. I worked for so many years for free while I was bringing in and paying amazing salaries to a whole team of women. I did not take a steady paycheck. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I will not do that again. If I cannot get paid, I'm not going to keep hiring and, you know, Spending money. And so, just learning the nuts and bolts of your business when it comes to the numbers, having those non negotiables that you will pay yourself. And what does that look like? And then, what do you need to make in your business so that you can pay yourself? Um, But we have to understand the profits, the margins, and just the flow of how money comes in and out of our business instead of running our business on what happens to be in our checking account that week or that day. Yeah, and it's important, you know, to understand your financials and, and to get that profit and loss and look at the balance sheet. But we have to remember that that's always looking backward, right? So when we look at a financial, we look at p and L. That's history. We can't change what's on that P and L, but we can take that profit and loss. We can look at the past and then use that to shape the future. Like you said, looking forward, planning, budgeting. What do I? What metrics do I need to hit, and how am I going to do that? um really important in our business that we have to do both of those things
0: for anyone listening that's not familiar with profit first it's yeah read the book by mike
1: halovich is that yes yes <laughs> hard last name yes
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah um, just search for it profit first it's an um an amazing book we've we've read it in my uh, clients book club it makes such a difference to your business what about The scaling and selling. We'll go back to that. If somebody's of of that mindset, I want to start something, scale it up and, and, and move on making a profit. What do they need to focus on?
1: First of all, knowing the end, having the end in mind, really important and even more defined than I want to sell it. Like, what do you want to make? When do you want to sell it? Who's an ideal buyer? Think of those things way ahead of that actually happening because Those then become filters for yes and no's along the way. So as you're building your business and you have an opportunity to bring in a new client, well, would this make sense though to a potential buyer? Or you have an opportunity to bring in a new product line. Will this be good for the sale of my business or not? So having that end in mind and then using that as a filter to say yes or no as you grow, really important. Um, And then I think, you know, again, the numbers, having really good, clear financials so that when you have a potential buyer and you sit down with them, you can say, here is the financial set for my business. It's clean. It's clear. It tells you everything you want to know at a glance. You, know, you don't want to get to a place where you're ready to sell and you have boxes of receipts and nothing's been cataloged correctly. And maybe you're not even making a profit. You want to know those numbers exactly. So making sure that your financials are really clean all along the way will be important also. And that, that's going to help you get the get the best value when yes. you sell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah maximum dollar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How, how do we get the maximum dollar or the maximum pound?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, having clear financials is huge. Um, really having everything outlined in the financials. So having a good bookkeeper and accountant, tax accountant that can make sure that your assets are all you know, in place. So for an example, I work with retailers, their biggest asset for the most part is inventory. They need to know exact value of inventory and that needs to be on their balance sheet. And most of the time when I meet with a retailer for the first time, there's no inventory and the asset value of it anywhere in their books because they, they feel like, oh, it's an expense because I bought it and sold it. It's not an expense though, until you sell it. So it's an asset. And so what is the value of that inventory at any given time? So making sure that your assets are all outlined, that will give you maximum dollar. Um, And then just having history. So you can show a potential buyer, like here's where we started. Here's the projection of forward growth. Here's where we've come. Those are going to be things that are going to give you that, that um, blue sky where you can say, here's the potential of the business. You can get value from that potential as well. But you have to be able to show the history and the story of your business.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you. Sometimes, sometimes we get, I know I have, I know my clients have, we get, get a bit bogged down with all the operational stuff and it, it can get chaotic and, and messy, if you like.
1: Do you have any tips for anybody
0: that feels that they've just got too much going on?
1: Yes. So, you know, and this kind of goes back to your question of being a mompreneur and wondering, like, you know, if someone's thinking of leaving corporate America and opening their own business, or they're thinking about scaling up um, and going full time finally, um, or this idea of messy and all the things going on. So, one of my biggest tips would be to learn to manage your time well. As an entrepreneur, We have our cash asset, right? So that's important. But time is a really important asset to us as well. And no one will manage it for you. You have no boss when you are an entrepreneur. And so you need to learn to manage your time. Um, And so really being diligent about, I like to say, be a good steward of the time that you have to ensure that every minute spent is either a revenue generating minute or it's just a well-spent minute out of your day. That's going to be, you know, huge. So when you're feeling really overwhelmed and out of control and you have all these things going on, go back to the drawing board, do an exercise similar to like a food journal, where if you were, you know, going to go on a weight loss journey or a fitness journey, you would journal out all your food for a week and see where you're, where and what you're eating. Do that with your time, sit down for a week, literally journal out every time and all the projects you're doing throughout the day, and then see where there's inefficiencies And block those time, you know, do some time blocking with those um, activities. And when you feel like, okay, this is really, and I do this continually, I feel like it's good. And then I'm like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit scattered. Sit down, do the exercise again. So be a very good steward of managing your time. That's going to make a big difference.
0: But couldn't agree more. It's the most valuable resource we have. Yes. When we we can't get it back, you you can make some more, but yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you're a coach now, coaching business owners, uh, retail business owners, yes. particularly. Yeah, because that's where your, your, yeah, your expertise is. I'm a business coach also. Did you have a business coach while you
1: were um, on your entrepreneurial journey? So I had never had a formal business coach. I had mentors, um, intentional mentors. So very, use them very much like business coaches. Um, honestly, I didn't even know business coaching was a thing. I didn't even know it was an option for me. So I was always reaching out to people much smarter than I um, and asking them, can I have 30 minutes of your time to ask you business questions? Um, Score is an organization here in the United States that um offers free business coaching. So I did have a SCORE mentor, a SCORE coach, but a, never a paid coach. However, now I do. <laughs> so now I see the value. Um, I recently completed an Ironman and the first thing I did when I signed up for it was to look for a coach because I've never done an Ironman before. I don't know how, I don't know the ins and outs. I want someone who's done it successfully to coach me. Um, I'm working on writing my first book. I have a coach for that. Someone that's much wiser than I am and who has written several books. So there is so much value in finding someone who, yes, they cost a little bit but the money they can save you because of all, you know, think of all the mistakes that I've shared with you all that I have made. I can spare my clients, all of those things. Um, you know, and so while they might pay me for my coaching service the money that they can save by just avoiding the pitfalls and the, you know, the potholes are huge. So coaching is just, it's phenomenal and I will always have a coach now going forward.
0: Absolutely. Me too. And yes, um, so many people, you probably you're still meeting them. I'm still meeting them that are going, well, oh, what exactly is that? How exactly does a coach help? Yeah. Yes. So we need to get the word out that um, a coach in your business is like a coach in your, in your sport or your health yes. and fitness. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. And well done on the Ironman then. Thank you. Yeah, I completed it. I finished it. My coach, you know, was a big part of that because she told me exactly what I needed to do in order to complete it. So it was an amazing experience. So what's the, what's the next challenge then? So I'm going to do another Ironman in August. I'll be in Alaska. And my goal now is to work on qualifying for Kona. So I have to beat my last time. You know, I can't just let that sit. <laughs> so the next challenge mm-hmm. is to, to do an Ironman again, but a little bit faster. And
0: uh, what about business then? what's the next challenge in business?
1: Yeah. So for me right now, I'm really looking at 2022 as a year to just settle in and simplify. I love what I'm doing right now with my group coaching program. Um, And like I mentioned to you earlier, I tend to always think of ideas and move on to the next thing. And I just want a year of settling in and simplifying what I'm doing and just doing it really, really well. So that's where I'm Focused um, for the next year, just building out what I already have and doing an even better job. And then we'll see what happens after that.
0: Awesome. So you scaling up what you're doing? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Always. That keeps me excited and waking up and ready in the mornings. Awesome. Well, actually, I'd love to talk to you at the end of next year and see, see where
0: you are, what you're doing and, and how it's Let's going. Let's do it.
1: Yes, I think that would be wonderful. I'd love to check in. Yeah, love to hear how you're doing, Sierra. Thank you.
0: The purpose of scale her up has been sort of to set out some role models so that you know you said second, third generation entrepreneurs. Yes, so third. entrepreneurship, yeah. something that you've seen, it was a, a route that you was an an option for you, and it, it's not not for many people. It's not. It's they they don't see it. So you know we're getting that. We want to make a difference to the numbers. Here in the UK, only one in three entrepreneurs are female and mm. men are five times more likely than women to scale their business up to over a million pounds in turnover. What do you think we need to do to, I see it as a revolution, what do we need to do to change, change things
1: up? I think just having more of these conversations. I think women just need to hear from other ordinary women. Like I am nothing special. (laughs) I was born in a small town in a really unpopulated state in the middle of nowhere. Um, But I just, you know, I was always surrounded with amazing people that could inspire me and those stories that inspired me. And I think that's what women need to just realize you don't have to be anything or anyone special to do what you're called to do. If you have a passion for something, find someone else who's done something similar and ask them questions. Surround yourself with amazing people, um, and let's just keep spreading the word and telling our stories because it will inspire people who are sitting at home and ah, they're, oh, they're fearful. They don't know like what's going to happen. Does this make sense for me? And you never know if your story is going to inspire that person to say, you know what, today's the day. I'm going to go out and I'm going to try this and I'm going to do it. So let's just keep talking about small business ownership and making it normal. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. One of my coaches for writing
0: my book um, is Michael Hebble. He's written a number, of, a number of books and he always finishes an interview with, is there something I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, ask me if I would do it all over again. Oh, good question. Yes. Yeah. So I asked this when I decided I was going to open my retail store. I went into a small little boutique and went and talked to the owner. And I said, if you had to do it again, would you do it again? And she said, no. That really surprised me. (laughs) And I said, so tell me why not. And she told me her story. So I think it's an interesting question to ask. I would say absolutely. Yes, I would do it all over again but what i would tell myself if i could the second time around was that caring about what other people think is not something i should focus on i think i was very distracted and did made a lot of wrong choices because i was always worried about what other people would think of me instead of doing what I knew what was best for myself or my family. And that, so I would do this again, but I would do it with more wisdom the second time around.
0: And more confidence maybe to
1: wear that. Much hat. more confidence, <laughs> which you can only get if you fall down a lot of times, but yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you, Sierra, for, um, for being on the scale her up podcast. I'm really grateful for your, for your time and for telling your story. And uh, I'm sure you're inspiring and motivating um, my you. listeners and, uh, and your clients and, and lots of people over there in the U.S. of a
1: too. Yes, thanks for having me. I so appreciated the conversation.
0: Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneurs show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcasts. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female. And men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it and we're going to make a massive difference.